Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Attention comparison shoppers. Waiting to see a few more people before making a hiring decision? Bad idea. Time kills hires. So removing the obstacles that slow down your hiring process is today's topic. Riddling your interviews with randomly placed hurdles is just madness and we want to stop the madness. Making the interview process challenging is essential, but there is a correct order on the journey that you are to create. So today we're going to help you bring order to your interview process. Today's quote, comparison is a thug that robs your joy. Even more than that, comparison is what makes you the thug that beats down somebody or your soul. Any idea who said that, uh, Mr. Shane Bernstein? I have no idea. Who said that? It is Anne Voskamp. I think she's an author. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and startup executives avoid costly hiring mistakes. We identify a specific problem and provide proven tactical solutions to help you win the hire. We do this by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Shane Bernstein. He's the founder and CEO of Rollbot. So with the resurgence of big data and AI, Shane realized the tools needed to scale the effective outreach approach were finally available. His C-level customers were continuously frustrated with no viable and consistent solution and unable to build the teams they needed in order for them to have the global impact of each their businesses required. So Shane founded Rollbot. Utilizing the power of AI, he and his team have developed a software that enables companies and staffing firms to reach their goals and measure ROI. As a result, Rollbot eliminates the way in which we traditionally pre-qualify talent from days and weeks to seconds and increases the recruitment output and engagement results by 10x. Can we say 10x? You can say 10x. Okay. (laughs) which makes him the perfect guest for today's show. Shane, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, Rick, thanks so much. Great to be here. It's great to have you. So today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to cover what is making it impossible to hire great people. And hint, it is uh, your obstacles you're putting up. Uh, over-interviewing, which is really what I think was one of the biggest obstacles. And then we're going to provide an efficient solution to come to a decision quickly so you don't lose people. Shane, over-interviewing is kind of a huge problem that is a direct result of not having a solid hiring structure. What ends up happening is you lack clarity and intention. There's no clarity of your values, your cultural alignment, your skills alignment, and not knowing the right questions to gather clear evidence of whether or not you can support a decision, right? So let's start there. Sure. So, you know, over interviewing uh, obviously makes it much harder to hire. And I think the process, you know, our goal as companies is to really move our interviewing process along so that we can make hires. And these days when we are making hires, there's a lot of talent out there that get other offers, counter offers, other offers, and that hurts us in the long run. So 
um, we're really trying to figure out ways to um, to move our interview process along. Really, we're talking about the timing issue. Timing. Timing is uh, it's kind of uh, for us and against us at the same time, and we have to f- we have to strike the balance of time. Yeah, we have to make sure that we're managing the time properly, and the way in which we are doing that is by positioning and prepping people. Correct. Over interviewing is one thing. What would be the other obstacles that we have to deal with? So there's, I guess, multiple h- hurdles. Um, you know, there's figuring out your interview structure uh, from a feedback perspective. Um, sometimes feedback, you know, we want feedback. We want to gather feedback from the team members who are interviewing, mm-hmm. uh, the talent pool. Uh, but sometimes that feedback takes sometimes weeks and we want to, we want to reel that back in to make it go quicker. So our goal is really to get it to about 24 hours or so, uh, so we can make, make a decision sooner than later. Uh, There's no reason why it should take two weeks to get feedback. That's the responsibility of whoever's leading the process to go get the feedback. Yeah, I think I think that it's really having a process because sometimes you bring in folks to interview from your team uh, to actually interview the person. And it just takes just goes like, you know, becomes longer. Maybe someone goes on vacation you know, maybe, you know, there's multiple interviews going on. Um, we just have to have a process. You have to mainstream the process and get it in place and make sure you're getting feedback every single interview, every single time. It just has to be consistent. When we talked, we were talking about pre-screens. Sure. How is that a hurdle? So pre-screens are important. You have to look at, so there's a, there's, there's a lot of different things. So there's like, let's say there's, it's a technical interview and you have a technical pre-screen. Or let's say you have a culture fit pre-screen. That's more so on the HR side or someone in the talent acquisition team. Pre-screens are important, but a company has to measure the ROI on a pre-screen from a talent culture perspective versus a technical pre-screen. I think it's important to have pre-screens, but if you're not getting an ROI, in other words, you're not getting a return on what the questions are, like if you're going to get false positives from the pre-screen or it's going to take more time to actually bring someone through the interview process, the pre-screen is actually detrimental to the hiring process. Let's delve into that. How so? So if, uh, for example, um, if you are if you're doing, if, if HR is doing a pre-screen, and, and most of the time HR is doing some type of culture fit, uh, environment fit, they want to make sure the talent has uh, aligns with the culture. Sometimes the culture is more, these days talent, they really look at culture. Um, they look at more the team culture, not necessarily the company culture. So there's things that companies can do to really take away, the, the things that companies can do that actually increase the, the process, that increase the speed of their, of their interview cycle without taking away from it. Sometimes a pre-screen for culture that's not really directly towards the culture of the team is not necessary in the process from a pre-screen perspective, hmm. if that makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to be diametrically opposed to you on this one. I think that it's pretty important because it's your job as recruiter and HR person to make sure that you're the the savior of time for your hiring managers. And if you're sending somebody in who's complete cultural mismatch, then you would be eating up the time. So if you're talking about ROI, the time of the people who you're productive, who are producing product or doing their jobs is your job as a recruiter. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I I think um, it is important to do pre-screens. However, it depends on the role, right? If we're talking technical um, you want to obviously make sure the person has the technical skills before they, I think that matters more before you even bring them into a culture screen, if, if that's what you're going to do from an environment perspective. But I think it, it depends. It, it really depends on the person that you're hiring. I think the goal is, you know, you want to make sure, does the pre-screen have a purpose? Are we doing the pre-screen just because that's our process? And we're doing a talent fit. Are we asking the same questions? Are we getting the same answers? Are we? Is it more informational than it is actual questions? 
if we're doing the pre-screen, like for those reasons, then th- does it make sense? Because that just further delays the, the interview cycle from a time perspective. So I translate what you're saying as the pre-screen doesn't have purpose in most cases. Or if the pre-screen is not intentional, meaning you're asking the right questions in order to draw out that information. Sure. Is, is that what you're saying? So the pre-screen is an extra step, right? For an interview process, a, a, a typical interview process, maybe you have a phone interview with, with the hiring manager or someone in the hiring team. Maybe you have an on-site with everybody, including HR, including talent, including uh, the hiring team and the hiring manager. But if you're doing a pre-screen in in front of that, like a pre-screen of a phone review, potentially, you want to make sure there's value, right? It's all about value. If we're just doing a pre-screen just because, we're actually delaying the process and we're potentially opening ourselves up to losing this person at the end of our cycle. So the pre-screen, though, would be after the initial recruiting call, correct? Or are you considering those synonymous well, with the each fo- other? Well, the, 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 pre, the pre-screen and the, and the initial call should be, this, should be the same. I mean, that's, you're, you're sure. essentially reaching out to them. You're asking them, are they currently working? You know, are they looking for new ops? You're trying to qualify them. What are they looking for? That should be all kind of pre-screen. You should be, in the questions that you're asking and the answers that you're receiving, you should be really looking for, is this person, you know, and some of the questions you ask should be related to culture, environment. That's when you should be, gaining that pre-screen aspect if if that's when you're if that if that's something that's important to you. Well, I think it's important to every company that you first understand the person and where they're coming from. So if I understand what their pain point is, what their desire is or what kind of environment this person's going to flourish in, that sort of thing, and then I get a, an idea of the impact they've brought to their current organization or former organization, then I have a pretty good idea of whether or not I should be able to present that to a hiring manager. My process is intentional sure. to get that information. Maybe what you're saying is that a lot of those processes are just kind of haphazard, like, hey, can you tell me how many years of this and that sort of thing, correct? Yeah, it has to be buttoned up. Um, and, and a lot of, so most of those pre-screens, you have questions, you have a template of questions that you ask. Um, if the answers are all yes, no, yes, no, how much value does that bring you? If the answers are more fluid than that, um, a little more complex, is the person asking the questions prepared to actually understand what that person's answering? Because if you can, a- if let's say a hiring team could be marketing, could be tech, could be digital, could be anything, could be ops, whoever you're hiring for, if you're asking questions and the other person has to answer, and the other person's answer is going to be across the map, but essentially give the same point, if the person asking the questions doesn't understand those questions, you're kind of losing value in that initial pre-screen. So the pre I mean, every screen, every touch point on talent should have value, should be- um, 100%. Should be baked so that you're getting value. If you're not getting value, you're just kind of like checking off the checklist that you've done the pre-screen, then you're really wasting time and ultimately you're hurting yourself in the long run. Yeah, and you're wasting the time of your hiring managers or hiring team. What should a pre-screen contain? So I, I, when, I, when, when, when doing a pre-screen, I think it's always important you want to- um, you know, first find out if the person's interested in, in talking about new opportunities, because if they're not, then, you know, you're wasting everyone's time. But once you get that, you want to understand kind of their career path, um, looking at like, you know, how long they were in each job, why, why they left, why they stayed. You want to get a feel for someone. You know, you can talk about compensation if that's, you know, something that comes up in the first screen, if that's important to you as an organization. There's a myriad of things. Um, I think looking at someone's resume also, you get to tell of like where they've been, what types of companies they've been. Are the companies similar to the company that you're hiring, you know, for? Um, You know, you want to get a feel. You want to understand this person has ambitions, that they're ambitious about the company that, you know, you're talking to them about, whether it's your company or you're a third party. just depends. 
I tend to look at the most valuable real estate on a resume is the white space. I tend to look at it a little bit differently as far as trying to dig deeper to gain understanding. But we're, we're seeing kind of the same thing, right? So let's talk about the reality versus the perception. Comparison shopping, I think, is very dangerous. You should treat every person as if they're your only candidate and assess them properly. Let's get back to the reality of what is over-interviewing from your perspective. So I think to, to, to your point of, you know, comparison shopping is, you know, most people, most hiring managers, hiring personnel, they want to, you know, interview a good number of people before they make a hiring decision. Um, unfortunately, not all markets have a number of people. Most roles, obviously, there's more roles than there are people. So um, to be able to hire efficiently and so that you don't lose talent, in, in, and this is all kind of goes back to it all times and it all ties into timing, right? The things that you can do to button up your interview process, including over or comparison shopping is when you interview, you interview three people and you want to interview four more people before you make a hiring decision. It's kind of the burden hand rule, right? If you interview someone that you really like, that your gut tells you, hey, this is a good person to hire. They've met all of the, the criteria, the requirements I have when hiring someone, my team has when hiring someone, we should make a hiring decision. It's probably what you should go to. I mean, truth be told, are, are people staying at companies long-term? Probably not as much as they used to. So um, It's absolutely what you should go to. We are not in a hiring market where you can afford to do that. Exactly. And I think that's really the, the reality of what managers and entrepreneurs need to know. It's really hard to find people. So if you can interview one or two people and you can lock in on one, do it by all means. Yeah, I, I think a good number of people to hire in any market no matter what industry you're looking for, what type of role, is really three to five. Um, if you can interview three to five for that specific role uh, during that time frame, a few weeks, um, that's that's the, the 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 number of people that make sense to actually make a hiring decision. That's a good number. Okay. We need to shift the mindset, right? We need to make sure that hiring managers understand that you're not the only pretty girl in the bar. There's a lot of people that are competing for that person as well. That's right. The talent pool has choices. They have many choices. When it becomes a talent pool market, a talent market, um, it's really where they want to work. Not It's not all about the company. It's all about the, the person, all about the talent. So, you know, you want to make, you know, not every, not nobody is going to fit your job description. No one's going to fit your what you have in your mind. No one's going to fit that perfectly. So you want to look for maybe the top three things that you have that your requirements are. If that person hits those top three things, that is considered pretty strong. So you want to select the best person um, that that aligns to those things. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I am Rick Gerard. Find out how healing career wounds attracts amazing people to your company. Sign up for free webinar at stridesearch.com. Our guest today is Shane Bernstein. He's the founder and CEO of Rollbot. And we are talking about removing the obstacles to help your company hire the right person. So, we just discussed some of the inherent issues with uh, some of the obstacles companies put up. And now we're going to talk about how to set up the solution. So give me your setup, Jim. In terms of? In terms of context. how do we set up a hiring process so that people understand what they should be doing? Okay. So for, I mean, listen, first there's, there's processes from five years ago. There's processes from two years ago. Most companies, they have this set process that's been in kind of play since, you know, they started the business or been in place since the last, you know, head of, uh, HR, <laughs> head of talent acquisition came to play. And, you know, time has passed and market has changed and talent pool has changed. So I think whenever, 
you know, when do, when does process change? It's probably when someone new takes over this role and wants to bring value, right, and, and assess to make sure that this is still working in today's market. Well, so the process should evolve. It shouldn't should always evolve. be the same. Absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing that I would do in looking at anyone's process is first assess your process. Look at every step of the process. Look at who's involved and figure out if that, if that still makes sense for today's market. Your process should be intentional. You should understand why you do things the way you do it. Absolutely. I, I, I measure the ROI. It's really return investment. Um, it, it's the, it's the value on investment. Maybe it's VOI, right? It's, it's really what value are you getting every step of the way of the process? And if you're not getting value in a specific step or a specific like test or some type of assessment that you're doing or whatever it might be, then you should either change it or, or remove it. Okay. So. I'm hiring an engineer. Walk me through how I should do the process. So if you're hiring a, a software engineer specifically, um, first thing I would do, uh, obviously, is is what we like to do is do a, we do a phone interview. The, the perfect interview process is two interviews, right? Outside of the pre-screen, you already bring them to the table. They're ready to go. They're excited about the role. First thing you do is a phone interview. And the first thing you do Wait, is... Wait, the you, phone interview is different from the pre-screen? Well, the phone interview, I would say more of a technical screen, a, a phone interview with someone from the hiring team, not necessarily from someone who's actually bringing that person to the table, like okay. a recruiter. So the first a fi- first formal interview process, person's interested, they're ready to go, you've either pre-screened them earlier or you've corresponded with them in some aspect. First thing you do is a phone interview, and that, that phone interview should be with someone who's on the team. Now, there's a real shift in focus. So what traditionally has been the case is you have you know more of a centralized department, HR, town acquisition, doing that first phone interview. But what's most important these days, specifically in engineering, and there's, I think, several other roles that would be important, is actually bringing that more team side. So you want the team that's actually working with this person to conduct that first phone interview, because that's important in terms of culture fit. That's important in terms of do they have the technical skills, so on and so forth. Okay, so this is a phone screen. You're talking about doing a technical screen first? Yeah, it's the, it's a phone interview and it's technical. Okay. So it's a little, it's a hybrid. Hybrid. Okay. So how does that break down? The first few questions is, you know, I think the person on the other end, the hiring, so it's either a team lead mm-hmm. or a lead engineer or someone who's not usually like the CTO or the CIO. It would be like a director, a manager, or a lead, depending on how big the organization is. That person's first going to d- dive into their experience, understand what environments they've worked in, what they've done, what they've accomplished, what some of the, the big things they took, you know, some of the big accomplishments they've had at their prior two or three companies, and then they'll dive into more technical screen. Okay. How are you setting this up? What would be the structure? Is it timed? Are they looking for specific markers? So there's so a lot of a lot of firms that are hiring a lot of companies that are hiring for technical talent. They have pre-screens, they have whiteboarding where you whiteboarding sessions where you can come in, they have assessment tests. But this is a phone screen. This is a phone screen. Yeah. So on the phone screen, um, the first is is the technical assessment. Really the 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 person, the the team lead or the hiring manager is actually asking technical questions. Uh, more more big broader questions to understand if this person knows the big picture. Um, I think when you go into more technical things or more things like whiteboarding, that's typically integrated in the on-site interview. The ideal process is to integrate that into the uh, on-site interview. You always want to vest your time into someone, um, be it a phone interview, be it a phone screen, before you ask them to take a test for you or take some type of you know assessment. The worst thing that you can do is ask for someone to take an assessment before you vested any time into them. I 100% agree because you need to, and I think you said this when we talked, you need to give before you take. That's right. right. Yeah, we call it give before you get. Exactly, yeah. give before you take. You really have to show that you're vesting in them before they're going to vest in you. Um, the, re- the biggest reason being is most companies do not require that. And so most talent by nature of the market are not going to take a test before they feel like you're giving them something. 
Usually, well, they're not emotionally committed to it. There's no reason for me to take a test for to interview at your company. Again, there's lots of companies out there. Everybody's hiring. So why should I spend my time on a Saturday taking a test that I don't even know if I'm going to get an interview? Exactly. It's all about time. And it's all about value for them. We have to show the talent pool value. As companies, we have to show them value. We have to show them something. Show them that we like them enough to talk to them first before we actually conduct... Um, before we give them an assessment or a take-home assignment that most people aren't going to do because they don't have to. All right, let's contrast kind of the way I look at a phone uh, screen because it's a little bit different. Okay. So I am looking for three things. Usually their why, their cultural alignment, and their impact. So mine is more of a recruiting call where I'm gathering this information. I have a pretty in-depth process. So my intake call are looking for evidence to support whether or not I should submit this person to to the hiring manager. So that's my phone piece. And then I would move it on to an onsite. So let's talk about your onsite. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Drum roll. That process makes sense. So <laughs> so for an onsite interview, the goal, the end goal, and this is all about timing. This is all about buttoning up your process. The end goal is get it done in one day. Boom. Boom. Do not bring them back. The second or the chance or or the opportunity to bring them back, most your, your, your odds increase 50% of losing that person. Do not bring them back. Even if the interview has to be all day, that's fine. You know, as long as the, 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 the candidate can take off that day, take that day off of work or, and come in, that's fine. I'd, we, we would much rather see you bring them in in one day than actually start bringing them back. Well, this person wasn't here. We got to bring you back. The, the second you bring them back is the second you lose that person. We, we would almost rather, You're as companies, then. we would almost have rather have you have like a step process. Like, let's say it's not going well, then you could end it early versus as if it's should. going well, as you should. You don't want to waste you know their time. You don't want to waste your time. You don't waste your team's time. This gets very expensive, very costly from a time perspective and a, and a dollar perspective. But, what, but let's say it's going well. You want to make sure that those the, the folks in your organization that need to talk to this person have a, maybe a soft calendar as they're going to join they're going to join this this meeting or they're going to join by teleconference to actually take the interview if it continues to go well. That is probably the best case scenario. Done in one day. You have vesting on both sides. How do they structure? So yeah, I usually like to you know we I think companies should bring in you know someone from HR, someone from town acquisition, just to kind of share more about the company environment, you know, what their expectations are, what some of the perks are, answer any questions they have about insurance, so on and so forth. That's probably the best to bring in just to kind of get a company feel. Then you want to bring in your, you don't want to bring in everybody, but you want to bring in, you want to have a set amount of people that are going to join this interview from your team. So the hiring manager, obviously, if you can bring in the big person, the CIO, the CTO, depending on the size of the organization, the CEO. This is this is a it's an interview, but it's also a selling process. And you want to sell the person that's coming in. If 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 they're good enough to come into the interview, it means if they do well in the interview, you're most likely to make them an offer, right? So And you should be looking at it like that. And you should be looking at it that way. So this is also this is not only a, you're asking the, the the candidate questions, but you're selling your company. So make sure that anyone who's in the room can sell your company. If you have a lead engineer who's really strong on the engineering side, but they don't know how to sell the company or sell the team or sell the experience of working there, it's probably not a good idea to have them in the, in the interview room. So is it selling or positioning? Well, it's, I think the broad term is selling. You know, you're not selling them you know, a candy bar, but you're positioning the company. You're really selling the experience. You're making it, you're giving some excitement. It was like, they have so many options, the talent pool, especially in engineering, if we call it engineering, if we call it sales, and there's certain roles out there, they have so many options, and there's so many companies coming to them and marketing them for their roles all the time. 
You want to make sure you're positioning as part of your sales approach, the company. What's the structure? They come in one day. How many people do they meet with? How do you have it timed out? I mean, do you have any idea of what works best for them? So I think it really depends on the organization. I think organizations probably have you know statistics of what seems to work best in terms of who they pull in, how long it goes. You know, a typical interview goes two to three hours on site. But some companies they want they want them to meet with a lot of different people, and scheduling is difficult, so they bring Too them much. in for the whole day. All right. So here I'm gonna give you my onsite because I think there's uh, components that are really work well. Number one, you should have each meeting timed and and stick to that time. Give everybody 30 to 45 minutes. Make sure that people don't go over. So you have a point person who goes in and cuts the interview if, if it's going over. Needs to be structured. I find that three to five people is the sweet spot. If you're a small company, a startup, make sure that you bring in an outside investor or somebody else who can get involved in the process as well. Make the interview challenging. You don't want to just have a conversation about common interests. You want to challenge that person and make sure that they're contributing to the um, information flow. And then finally, I do this thing where I build out knockout questions into each person who's interviewing. And I think this is really important. You're talking about cultural alignment or core values. And if you can build a knockout question where if somebody's completely off, you can save everybody's time by just saying, hey, you didn't pass the knockout question. Finally, you, like you said before, wrapping up in 24 hours, give me your three takeaways really quickly because we're getting close on time. Sure. So I think the three takeaways for this is assess the current process. Does it align with the current marketplace? What ROI or what value on investment does each component bring? And then maybe look at some of their, look at some of your percentages, some of your stats. Like what is the percentage of rejected offers you've had? Uh, maybe take the last year or so. And that'll really give you an indication of, of what could be fixed in your process, what could be broken, uh, what things to look at, what things to button up, what things to tighten up as well. Okay. Um, also figure out what, what must stay, what can be omitted. I, I mentioned that, um, moved around, what can be integrated. Some things we do separately, but they can actually be integrated into the current process to make it go faster or during the same time or during the same conversation during the same assessment. Lastly is every organization is different. The goal is really to strike the right balance for your organization. Make sure that it aligns with your organization. If it doesn't, if it doesn't bring some type of value, don't do it. Omit it. If it brings value, then do it. If you have to have it, then keep it. Boom. I like that. Boom. <laughs> All right. We're just about out of time for today's show. Shane, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way for members of our audience to reach you? Best way to reach me, you can check out our site at uh, www.robot.io. Spell, spell that, please. R-O-L-E-B-O-T dot I-O. Excellent. All right. Thanks to our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We are listening and we welcome your feedback. If you guys notice, I haven't interrupted as much, which was some of the feedback that I got. <laughs> I'm making an effort. After all, this show is for you. So you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Drop me an email if you want to reach me. You can reach me at rick at stridesearch.com. To learn about our upcoming uh, webinars based on career wounds and identifying and hiring passive talent. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Andre Berenigian. He's the CEO and founder of C Digital Labs. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 